This is Pulse of the Pack. There's Bledsoe. Down he goes. And there's Reggie White. White. And that's that hump move. Reggie's coming again. Reggie White. Reggie White's going to take over this game right now. Begins the count. Takes the snap. He has the quarterback. He can lead into the top down of the Titans around his run. 20 to 17. Man, it's like, I don't know what it is. There's a joke that we used to have. I, I make fun of my wife all the time. I say every time she hears the word ice cream, she smiles. Every time I see that highlight of Antonio Freeman running into the end zone against the Vikings, I smile, everyone. So I'm the dork of the show. I'm Jacob Westendorf. Welcome to Pulse of the Pack, Sunday, August 30th. We are two weeks, 14 days. I'm not good at math and can't do the hours very quickly until the Packers take on the 22. Minnesota Vikings. 20, 22 hours? Yeah, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> math, dude. What? I don't know what they talk. Okay. I don't even know what just a number means. It's just a number. You don't know what it means. <laughs> I don't. You're right. So there we go. We're two weeks uh, away. Packers and Vikings. Uh, I'm Jacob Westerf. Like I mentioned, this is Pulse of the Pack on Game On Wisconsin. Follow us on Twitter. We're at the bottom line there at Game On WI. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube. Check out Instagram, Game On Wisconsin. You can find us all there. I'm joined by Jason Perone, of course. You can follow him on Twitter at Jason Perone. Jason, welcome. How are you, my friend? Doing well. Thir it's 13 days and 22 hours. Oh, that's the deal. Okay. Not even so 14 I days. 13 days, 22 hours. Excellent. So I'm excited about that as well. And then we have Paul Brettel. Paul is back this week. Paul underscore Brettel. You can find him on Twitter. He's smiling because I promised I wouldn't call him something <laughs> anymore, and I didn't. So I didn't, I didn't know whether to believe you or not. <laughs> I, I suppose I have earned that reputation as somebody that may or may not make a few snide comments. <laughs> so thank you for that. And we have a guest in the house, live from the unknown studio. We have Bryce Christensen, and I had to look twice to make sure his name was spelled correctly because Jimmy Christensen spells his name differently. Same name different spellings at interpreted by BC guys. Welcome. First of all, thanks for joining us, Bryce. Welcome to the show. Absolutely. And big B you said you didn't believe me. Here you go, guy right here. Permanent. That's, that's you sexy. Me now, sir. It is. Thank you. Big B for welcome. What's up, big B. Happy to see you here. Hi mom. Sorry. I got another tattoo. I know you saw it this morning, but at this <laughs> point, funny story, my first tattoo. Okay. So my first tattoo is up over here on my left arm. And I was 17 at the time, so it's not, um, what's the right word, legal uh, to get tattoos under the age of 18 in the state of Illinois. My dad took me to uh, the guy who's been doing my tattoos now for the last, what, 11 years uh, in that time frame. And I came home. We were supposed to be going out and picking up uh, napkins and a loaf of bread. And this is before cell phones and texting and all that stuff was a huge, huge deal. So my mom didn't even think to ask. She just wondered where the hell we were. And she, uh, I came home and I had a tattoo on my arm and she was so mad at me. <laughs> and I guess more so my dad, cause he had to sign for it uh, than anything. So that's my first tattoo story on that. Sorry, mom, but I just kind of kept doing it ever since that time. I do have a surprise for all of you guys. And I do want to start there actually. So who wants to see our new 
uh, little segment. We've talked about this the last couple of days. So this is by our very own Dan Kotnick. He is uh, much like Bryce. He is an interpreter. Uh, he interprets a little different language than sign language. So everybody uh, take a look. Aaron Rodgers makes a kid cry. So we have been slowly interpreting tweets on uh, what Mike Florio might say in that yeah. time frame. Uh, so That's Dan beautiful. decided to throw that together. So we have a new segment now that we are going to have every week, and we are going to call it Florio Fridays with Dan Kotnick. He will be translating tweets into how they would be spoken if Mike Florio were to read them. So I thought that you guys would find that a little bit funny. So I wanted to share it on here. Dan, thank you for throwing that together. Uh, again, the way uh, Dan Kotnick joined this site a long time ago was you need someone to make an ass of themselves and talk about the Packers. That's what I do best. So I'm in. Uh, so thank you, Dan, for that. Bryce, I'm going to give you the floor here a little bit first. Uh, and I titled this Sign Language. Uh, and that's because interpreted by BC, that means you are a sign language interpreter. So uh, tell me a little bit about what it is that you do with that sign language, how you got started and everything you're doing now, uh, including with the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first and foremost, uh, my parents were born deaf and uh, I was the first born and um, essentially had a deaf experience for like the first two years as the only child. Um, I was in a visual environment. My parents, you know, taught me American Sign Language, and that was my first language. And uh, I was a nursing major originally, and I would work overnights at a hospital as a phlebotomist drawing blood. And as fate would have it, one night I encountered several deaf people as patients who did not have a sign language interpreter. They couldn't mm -hmm. find one. And it dawned on me just one um, the lack of accessibility and two, um, the importance of how they needed to expand uh, the field of sign language interpreting. So I transferred from lacrosse to UW-Milwaukee as that's the only four-year uh, interpreter training program. I know, I'm sorry for dropping uh, the UWM bomb on Jacob. And um, after graduating, so I, I took a real long time um, to figure out what I wanted to do and interesting how it always came back to interpreting. Um, I started off as a community interpreter and then um, just slowly started to expand my resume a little bit. Then in 2017, I decided to set up my own business um, as an, a small business agency, uh, focusing in Milwaukee and also providing access through uh, virtual platforms. Um, last year is when I finally um, had the opportunity to propose an idea that I had wanted for a really long time. And that was providing interpreting in professional sports. I grew up going to sporting events uh, with my father and I would actually act as his interpreter throughout games. So there were a lot of times where I wasn't able to focus on the games because I was just relaying information to my dad. And it always frustrated me thinking about there's this avenue of professional sports and there's this community that is are huge sports fans. And I thought it was a figment of my imagination that you could provide interpreting in professional sports. 
And it became official when I proposed to the Milwaukee Bucks that they would be the first and only professional sports team to provide a sign language interpreter not based on request because it's just the right thing to do. I think the fundamental right of all humans is communication and language. We're social creatures, and I believe that everyone should have that opportunity. Uh, fast forward to a, almost a year now, and it's just taken a life of its own. Um, I do all the recording and editing and interpreting from my own studio that you see right now. And uh, they are published on the NBA website as well as the Milwaukee Bucks website too. So with the playoffs, um, with the boycott, um, and everything that has transpired uh, from there, it's it's really surreal to see what was once a figment of my imagination, something that I never thought would happen, to now the Bucks still being the only team, but to see what they've done, um, it's literally a two-way street. This does not happen without the Milwaukee Bucks. I've always been a huge fan of the Milwaukee Bucks, and to be a part of a, a progressive um, organization like them, and then to have the boycott, unprecedented, historic, um, I couldn't be more prouder than um, uh, than I am for the Milwaukee Bucks, and I'm humbled uh, to be affiliated with them as the sign language interpreter. A lot of good stuff there. Uh, obviously, um, it's it's kind of cool to see just how that's grown, even in just I've right. known you for about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of watch it in that time frame. Uh, hopefully it's something that can continue to grow between, you know, now and, and as we continue through, you know, the rest of the sports, potentially, you know, maybe you get synced up with the Packers and the Brewers and, you know, maybe that sounds like a, a tinfoil hey, hat kind of, yeah, exactly. Hey, hey uh, Green Bay. you know, Goody and Aaron Popke and all those people, if you guys are watching, here's my guy right here. So let him help you guys out. So give him a call. Uh, and I promise that he knows more sign language than I do, which is one gesture, which I cannot do on the, on the interwebs here. So uh, actually I know a little more than that, but uh, we'll let the joke live that way. Guys, two weeks until game day. Uh, it's something that we, we've started talking, the four of us, and I couldn't, and I'm still upset about this. I could not find the legendary photo that grew from our original call uh, where it froze on Paul's oh, face. Oh, yeah. Um, right. I couldn't find it. And unfortunately, uh, I was going to upload it and share it with everybody today. I guess Paul's probably oh, not too upset man. that I wasn't able. But, you know, when we originally started talking about some stuff back in April, May, that kind of time frame, we weren't really sure if we were going to get to this point. And by get to this point, I mean, I am very confident that the – the game is going to be played next Sunday. And I think that in May, if you had to ask me then, like if you ask me now, I'm 98% sure. If you had asked me back in May, I'd have said I'm over 50, but not by much. Uh, it, it's just kind of crazy to think about it that way. But we are two weeks until game day, and and it's just a good thing, and it's a, it's a great thing to just kind of see how all these leagues. And honestly, I really do. I think obviously the NBA had some logistical advantages with the bubble. Um kind of the same with the NHL, but I really do. I think the leagues have all done a very good job in terms of putting in protocols, keeping things in place. There have been some positives in major league baseball. I think that you'll hear about some positives in the NFL as well uh, at some points, but for the most part, not a lot. And and that's a positive thing. Uh, probably a poor choice of words there, but that's a good thing for the league going forward. Um, you know, I've kind of said, I always believed I thought they would start. I'm not sure if they're finished. I'm more confident that they'll finish the season now too. And with that in mind, then that kind of gives us the ability to talk more 
about a few things that have gone on since campus started. So today, like I said, two weeks from game day, just a few injury updates for you guys. The Packers held a scrimmage game inside. Well, kind of a scrimmage game. They went through their game day operations uh, as a team today inside Lambeau field. Equinemia St. Brown did not participate. Oren Burks did not participate. Those are two of the kind of bigger injuries as we get going through here. And guys, I want to start with EQ because that's the guy who he's kind of the darling, if you will, of camp and the, the receiver, that's a bit of an unknown because we didn't see him last year. I'm not sure how high he is on the depth chart at this point. It's hard to tell. I think that, uh, Devonte Adams and Alan Lazard are very firmly entrenched as your top two at the moment. After that, it was kind of a, a cluster between MVS and EQ and Reggie Bagleton and, uh, Jake Kumaro and just some of those guys of trying and Tyler Irvin, if we're going to include him as well to try and get snaps on the field. So Paul, let me start with you. Cause I know you wrote something about him relatively recently. I know Dusty evely has got some stuff coming on about him, but just how big is this injury for EQ and how high were your hopes getting for him before uh, he was injured today? My expectations for him were that he would come in and be a contributor. I don't know that they were necessarily as high as what, everyone else has because you know we know he has 12 in his corner but he's still coming back from an injury he missed a year of football so there's that you know he has to reestablish himself and show that he can make those plays again but I thought that he's someone that could step in and kind of fill that slot receiver role we saw that Geronimo Allison he took you know in the Fleur's offense we're going to see a lot of those guys um, the receivers running backs tight ends play out of the slot but I thought he was someone who could come in and take a fair share of those snaps. He's got a uh, good size, good route runner. And I think that he could be a matchup problem in there, but so far through camp, at least through the, and you guys can correct me if you've seen something different, but through the tweets from the reporters as everything's going on, um, haven't heard his name a whole lot up to this point and now with the injury. So I think he's still going to see his snaps and opportunities this season, but I don't think he's going to come out and be the, you know, at least not right away, the, you know, the, the superstar that I think everyone, a lot of people had expectations for, but one guy who I do want to mention is uh, Marquez Valdez Scaling. He's been putting on a show this training camp and last season ended and I've written about it. I've tweeted about it. I've talked about it. Everyone forgets about the first seven weeks of last year, 133 yard game against Oakland, 99 yard game against Denver, 20 yards per catch. He was averaging during that span. He's a playmaker, and he's still, even with the issues, without really adding, you know, they added Begleton, but he's their true deep threat receiver with that 4-3-7 speed. They need him, and I know everyone's focused on, you know, being a more run-oriented team that Green Bay is going to be this year, but they're still, it's Aaron Rodgers still under center. He's going to throw the ball downfield. Play action's going to be huge in those deep shots. So he's someone who's really stepped up, and when I think a lot of people had written him off in favor of EQ. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think that we just kind of, whenever somebody has a a season that doesn't go as planned, I don't want to call it a bad season, but it doesn't go as planned. I think it's very easy to discard those players and realize, you know, EQ is like the new thing, right? Not that he's new, but he was new and that he didn't play last year. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's a good thing to think about because honestly, if we're talking about level of importance, if you say every receiver reaches their potential with their role, obviously the most important receiver is Devontae Adams. After that, to make this offense go, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, to me, 
I think is the most important receiver on this roster because of his skill set. It's somebody they don't have. And you've heard Matt LaFleur talk about that. You've heard Aaron Rodgers talk about that. There's a lot of different skill sets that they have in that room, but they don't have a true deep threat if MBS is not ready to roll. Uh, Bryce, obviously it's been a while since EQ's played football. What were your thoughts on him coming out of the 2018 season? Obviously he played, uh, didn't play the final game after getting concussed in New Jersey mm -hmm. against the Jets there, uh, but didn't play last year after a high ankle sprain that required surgery eventually. But what were your thoughts on him going into last year and maybe some of your thoughts going into this season and the help that he would need as well? I still cannot believe they played that game on that 80-yard football field up in Winnipeg. And it's something that you saw EQ um, and his potential. Um, he's a guy that I loved in college. I was shocked to see him fall to the sixth round. I think Gutekunst was as well. Um, but I firmly believe that he had top 25 wide receiver potential going in. And with that injury um, and then having that carry over to now, um, there are some concerns because you also have to see what can he do? Can he stay healthy? You have a guy like Marcos Valdez-Scantling that has shown, um, I think, leaps and bounds improvement from year two to year three. He's that type of guy where if he's going to drop that first pass in, in practice, that's going to carry on over to the entire season. But you see this confidence building with, with Marcos Valdez-Scantling, his connection with Aaron Rodgers. I think that bodes well for him. EQ, I still think, can be that shiny new toy even though he's going into his third year i love the slot uh, position for him but it's getting to that point now too where it just seems like you're on that verge of like okay show me something and then he hits some sort of roadblock so i would say i was more confident last year before the injury on that 80 yard football field than i am now but the fact of it being is that it's because of the adams it's because of lazard and what mbs is doing um, I think e EQ has a little bit of, uh, of fortunate luck playing his way where, like Paul said, there'll be a run-oriented team. I think that two, three wide receivers are something that they'll look for. But there's something about EQ, how he stretches the field, uh, where you can line him up. Just like MBS being that deep threat, EQ has just this certain set of skills. He's like Liam Neeson in, in Taken. He's that certain set of skills that I feel that uh, the team desperately needs. But if he continues to be this guy that gets nicked up or you're not going to be able to see that potential, this is the year that has to happen. Uh, but to long story long, to answer your question, I, I, he'll make the 53, but I just, I, I want to see him stay healthy. MBS has done what I did not expect him to do, come into camp. Uh, he exceeded my expectations, but he'd be the guy that I think is the biggest surprise. Maybe is that shiny new toy, even though it's his third year that I thought EQ could be. I got an EQ segment turning into a Marquez Valdez Scantling um, segment here. So Carlos thinks that EQ is going to turn heads. Main reason we didn't get a receiver. We'll see, you know, my thoughts, I've talked about it before. He hasn't played football in a full year. Uh, meaningful football. I should say the, the preseason game doesn't count. Obviously. Um, hasn't played football since December of 2018. That's a long time. Packers didn't even have the same head coach. Then they were bad. Then they're good. Now, um, a lot of different stuff there. So, uh, interesting to think about Jason, just in general, kind of your thoughts on, on EQ and, and missing some time and what that could mean for him as Bryce said, he thinks he makes the 53. I tend to agree, but you know, as we get into this, this final stretch here, 
Uh, they've got to cut down the roster here, not this upcoming week, but next week. And what does that mean for him as, as we look towards the, the roster bubble, if you will? Well, you guys made some good points about him. The only thing I'll add is that he's making the roster. He, You kind of have to – I look at it as look at what he did in 2018 at the top of his game, the, the few big plays that he made. He made that big sideline catch against the Niners. He made that big catch yeah. against the Jets. Small sample sizes of what he can do and the fact that the quarterback, the guy who has the ball in his hands on every snap and who chooses where the ball goes – has no problem throwing it to number 19. So unless something happens or he gets into his own head, I think EQ is going to play a big role in this offense this year. I'm inclined to say he's wide receiver four. I'll put MBS ahead of him at three by virtue of the fact that MBS played last year and EQ didn't. But I have no reason to think that he can't bounce back and be a, a bigger part of this offense. And I, I think Carlos has a point. I think that's part of the, not the entire, but I think that's part of the equation as to why the Packers didn't feel like they needed to reach for or even bring in any wide receivers in the draft. We'll be interesting to see how that looks because yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I like, I believe everyone in the world was scratching their head when I found out the Packers didn't draft a receiver, even a late round flyer type on just, you know, trying to hit a lottery ticket on something like that. Uh, as you kind of look through some of the draft, I understand why things went the way they did to some degree. Um, but overall, I think that it's interesting. It's it's definitely a, a position battle, and it's one we'll keep talking about until the Packers really have. They feel good about Alan Lazard, clearly. Uh, the His progression in camp is something that has been positive. It looks like the Packers have that connection down, if you will. The same sort of stories are emerging about Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Paul, uh, you did mention that he was EQ was pretty quiet, I would say, until very, very recently. It looked like he was starting to kind of make his way into the discussion of some of the tweets. And honestly, it's kind of ridiculous that we're going by tweets, but that's all we got, guys. <laughs> you know, we can't – unfortunately, we can't be at camp every day. This time in 2021 – we're hoping to have a table uh, set up across from from the uh, practice field and, and being able to live react for you guys on stuff like that. So that's the hope. Uh, keep watching our stuff. Follow us on Twitter. Check us out on YouTube, all the stuff. We can make those things possible. Um, but that's kind of the thought there. Guys, real quick, I, Oren Burks is – I don't want to gloss over him necessarily. It is disappointing. He's somebody that, frankly, I'm not all that high on anyways. I wasn't when they drafted him. He's shown nothing that kind of has changed that opinion, whether that because of some bad luck with injuries, which is fair, uh, or even when he's been healthy, it's not like Mike Pettin's been rushing to get him on the field. So we'll talk about the inside linebackers, but that injury is obviously a, another big deal as the Packers try and you know kind of figure out who's going to be that other starter next to Christian Kirksey. The story of camp, however, I think starts on the edge. And by that, I mean Rashawn Gary, and your pass rushers. And today in camp, Andy Herman uh, over at Packer Report talking about Jonathan Garvin. That's the Packers' yeah. fourth rusher. Mike Pettin gave a, a little nugget when he said, Rashawn Gary is going to be a big part of what we do this year. And then he said Garvin too. And that part kind of got glossed over, but that is a when you're competing with guys like Tim Williams and Randy Ramsey and Tipa Galea, who's a darling when it comes to undrafted free agents, there are some names at least in there it's kind of a big thing when you hear a seventh round pick is going to be a big part of what they're doing i talked earlier this week and thought maybe the packers could keep five or six guys at that position 
because Tim Williams has had a pretty good camp. Randy Ramsey has a different skill set that they haven't used. And Tipa is somebody that the Packers have had. Uh, like I said, he's a darling. It's one of those things that's to the point where you don't want to lose a good player essentially. And that could be what they're looking, looking at if they start cutting some of those guys. Uh, Carlos again in the chat says, Gary should make some noise. I listen. Um, I've talked about this before. I think we've done it on the show. I, I, I haven't met somebody that was like, Oh hell yeah. We picked Rashawn Gary other until I listened to Mike Smith talk, uh, the outside linebackers coach. Uh, that being said, I will root for him because I, I don't understand the people that are like, it almost feels like they're rooting against him because it's not who right. they wanted. Very similar to the way people are kind of treating Jordan love. Uh, that said, this doesn't mean anything once the game start, obviously, but if the Packers had an MVP of training camp, it's Rashawn Gary. Uh, he has Zach Cruz, I think tweeted today, something from the Packers wire and basically said, Gary would have had a sack has become like a daily occurrence at Packers training camp. The thing in the story on Gary is that they, he's that big, he's that fast. He's that strong. There's almost no ceiling for someone like that with that athleticism the problem is he was as raw as he is now looking into this year. It looks like so far he's, he's ready to potentially make some noise, but Bryce, obviously we know Preston and Zedarius, those guys can ball. We know that when it's ready to go, Rashawn Gary, 12th overall pick, they have some big plans for him. What are your thoughts on this edge room as a whole, as maybe potentially the strength we've talked about this, the strength of the Packers team since 2009 has been the quarterback position. Now it's very possible that this has been surpassed. What do you think about that? It's crazy to think in a year. Like, I mean, it was just something that we needed so desperately and you paid this big money for Nick Perry and Clay Matthews. And then you had to go out and get Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. And it worked out. Um, I think not only is it the strength, I think is the most intriguing position battle when it comes down to the 53-man roster announcement next week. Uh, you mentioned guys where I think they could keep six. And uh, we had Rob Domofsky on um, the Unknown Packers podcast, and he even mentioned Tim Williams and Randy Ramsey, where you look at this year in the offseason or virtual offseason, truncated tr- training camp, no preseason. Um, it, it, it can't, it, it, the undrafted free agent – that's something that I don't know happens for the 53-man roster. So he mentioned that it'll be guys last year that were on the practice squad or guys last year that we acquired, which are Tim Williams from the Baltimore Ravens um, after he was released. And then also Randy Ramsey, who I think not enough people are talking about when it comes to that 53-man roster announcement. If I would have to make a um, an announcement right now of how many they keep, I think they keep six. Um, I think that Maybe they keep less on the line and then they become more of this edge linebacker, you know, hybrid team and Jonathan Garvin, a seventh round pick. And you got his name splattered all over Twitter. The Packers uh, coaching staff are usually a little bit more tight lipped when it comes to um, their players. And with the 16 man practice squad, uh, not wanting now you can't tell like who the ones or the twos or the threes are because of, of a competitive advantage for other people. They want to slide guys into the practice squad that uh, now that they don't have preseason, they can maybe get away with uh, not having anyone know about their darlings. Randy Ramsey and Jonathan Garvin are guys that the Packers 
brass have talked about, which makes me inclined to think that they make the 53-man roster. Um, so that would be my surprise from maybe a month ago to now. I, I did not think Tim Williams. I did not think Randy Ramsey. I, I thought Garvin would be just because of the capital of a draft pick, even though he's a seventh rounder. But I would go six. And then you, you've got Tippa, who has played – practiced really well what 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 do you think then with with him possibly making it so I could see them going five I could see them possibly going six if I would have to announce today I think they keep six yeah and that's crazy because last year it was kind of maybe the conversation of five but overall for the most part it was you know we know that they're keeping the Smith brothers Rashawn Gary and Kyler Fackrell and maybe they don't keep Fackrell to keep one of those younger guys like a Randy Ramsey. And, and they mm-hmm. did keep Kyler Fackrell, obviously. Mm-hmm. So they kept him around. But that number that I actually tend to think that that could be what they do, too, is keep an extra edge guy. And maybe because the defensive line and Paul, you've talked about this before. Paul loves the Packers defensive line. He thinks it's the strongest unit in the league. Absolutely. Um, yeah. The, the defensive line stinks. Uh, that's just <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not trying to be harsh, but that's just the reality. And if yeah. you're going to. You might as well keep good players over not good ones. You right. don't need to keep five defensive linemen just to say you have five guys. If there's only three that are worth a roster spot, they're not going to only keep three. That's insane. But four, I think that's definitely a fair number that could come into play there. Paul, you wrote a story recently on Rashawn Gary. Tell the world of my son. <laughs> uh, he's been specialist um, this training camp so far and one of the big knocks on college for whatever reason was his work ethic um i don't think that that was from anyone who was you know super credentialed or really dove into the tape but that was a knock on him and we've learned that that's just not true you talk to Patton, lafleur mike smith they all rave about um how hard he works i think it was uh, mike smith who told a story Packers off days texting mike at midnight gary is saying what do i got to do the next day to get better and he comes into camp, he's um, a little heavier than what he was last year, but he's trimmed. He's added more muscle. He's putting in that work, and it's paying off. And on Friday's Pack-A-Day podcast with Jason, I talked about this, but what the Packers have in him and bringing him along slowly is a luxury. You know, they have the Smiths, and they could bring him along slowly, let him learn, because as you said, Jacob, he's got the tools. We all know that. We see that. But his skill set, technique, all that stuff is a little raw. needed some refinement. So last year, they're bringing him along slowly. I said one of my favorite stats was from week 14 to 16. In 27 pass rush attempts, he had five pressures and a sack. That's a pressure rate of 19%. Like I said, I don't think he's going to, you know, that would be incredible if he could maintain that for a full season with an increased workload, so not likely. But still, you're seeing the progress and you're seeing um, the performance start to turn up onto the field. And they've had the luxury of bringing them along slowly. And I think that what or what we hope that does is no, did he come in and make a huge impact as a rookie? He didn't. But in the long term, that makes him a better player. And Jason, obviously, we can't talk about the edge room with talking about without talking about the Super Smith brothers and something we can talk about here in a little bit in transition. But uh, the Minnesota Vikings made a trade today for Yannick and Gakwe giving them the the duo of Ngakwe and Daniel Hunter as their pass rushers. I mean, that's cute, uh, but can you tell me and that I'm in the belief and that I'm right that Zadarius and Preston Smith is the best pass rushing duo in this division? Yeah. 
Easily. I mean, that's why they the super the super kick brothers in the Metrodome flash. That's not the Metrodome anymore. I'll always call it that though, because who cares what it what it is? It's a it's a artificial noise box is is what it is in Minnesota. But everyone remembers how that game went. And to Bryce's point, the other thing to think about too, Jake, you mentioned Oren Burks, and we've been hearing a lot about Kamal Martin really taking some big steps and and running with the ones. The Packers could decide if they're just going to keep Kirksey and Martin that maybe Burks is that guy that doesn't stick on this roster. He gets IR'd. I don't think he'll get cut necessarily, but he gets IR'd. And then there's your your spot available for another edge rusher potentially. So that's just another option that the Packers have there to try and figure out what they're going to do. But the Smith brothers, the biggest thing I said, and I mentioned it on our show, Paul, too, on Friday about them is the culture that they help set. It's not just the production that you get from them, which is obvious and, and you can see the numbers and the insane pressure rate that Zadarius Smith, he of who wasn't a pro bowl starter for some reason or, or, or all pro um, last season, the culture that they set, it's because of those two guys and that leadership aspect. I, I don't care what, whatever happens in Minnesota, there's a, there's some sort of a vortex there that doesn't allow that to translate through and, and help them do any better. So, yeah, the Packers have a great pass rushing duo. Rashawn Gary is doing all the right things. The Packers have, in the last two seasons, made huge investments in players that they have then turned around and not had to throw onto the field, unless you want to throw Darnell Savage into that mix there. I know Jair had to play right away, but you've got Rashawn Gary last year at 12th overall, Jordan Love this year. The Packers are not forcing their guys into situations where they have to go out and be great right away. And there is something to be said about the psyche factor and between the Packers taking care of their young players like that. And you guys got guys like Z and Preston Smith creating that great culture. I just, I think this defense is, is going to be something really special to watch this season, unless something changes injury wise and, you know, knock on wood there. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. That it could be. And I, I think that you mentioned a good point there and something that's been a little bit of a philosophical shift since Brian Gutekunst took over, as you mentioned, Elton Jenkins didn't start right away, but he may as well have uh, Darnell Savage started right away. Outside of that, the Packers haven't been starting their rookies immediately. I think that, you know, we used to always talk about, you know, the Packers rely too much on, on their rookies. And now that they're not doing that, it's why is this guy not playing right away? I understand to some degree, maybe why you're frustrated with the 12th overall pick only playing a small percentage of snaps. But at the same time, they had a plan for these rookies. It's very similar to what, and it kind of fits their philosophy for why they took Jordan Love. And, uh, you know, we'll obviously see that potentially play out here in the next couple of years. But for now, Aaron Rodgers starting quarterback, and he's going to be the starting quarterback for at least the next couple of seasons. Um, let's talk a little bit. You guys just mentioned the inside linebackers. So let's go there. Kamal Martin and Christian Kirksey. Kirksey, obviously the replacement for Blake Martinez. Uh, and Kamal Martin, a fifth round pick that looks to be, well, they can't tell us who's running with the ones, but he looks to be a potential favorite to be that starter, if you will, in the base defense next to Christian Kirksey. So Bryce, my first question that I have to ask on that is everybody's going to immediately compare Christian Kirksey to Blake Martinez. And my question is, did they upgrade? If he stays healthy, for sure. I think that it's an immediate upgrade. I think that uh, he brings um, a certain type of athleticism that Blake Martinez um, lacks, and not not a dig on on Blake Martinez. But the other thing too with Kirksey is that he he 
he's got that familiarity with Petten. And so I, I think that um, for me, the one thing that really sticks out is what are they going to do with Oren Burks? I mean, this is, I think, his last kind of hurrah. They traded up for him in the third round. Big investment. Gutekunst keeps saying, like, he believes in Oren Burks. He believes in Oren Burks. And for me, I think what you've seen in summers where he had a, a – potential walk-in pick six off of Tim Boyle, uh, a guy that um, seems to be just a, an energizer bunny. And then you've got Kamal Martin, where typically the Packers don't really showcase um, these rookies or these other hidden gems. And for a fifth-round draft pick to do what he's doing, I thought Kamal Martin, when they drafted him, you look at the highlights, I thought he had the it factor. And then you pair that with Kirksey. Um Kirksey, for some reason, I don't know why, but when I watch him play, he reminds me of a little bit of Nick Barnett. And maybe it's just my green and gold glasses, and I and I want that type of impact at the middle linebacker position. But I think he's another reason why the Packers didn't invest in an inside linebacker high, and they waited. And I think they struck gold with Kamal Martin. That'll be fun to see because, honestly, the Packers – I don't think they've had a linebacker in the middle since Nick Barnett. And that's with all due yeah. respect to yeah, the Bishop. one season of Desmond yeah. Bishop. Bishop. And I yeah. honestly, I think we remember Bishop a little more fondly than maybe we should because he was on that Super Bowl defense. Right. Um, whether that's fair or not, obviously I haven't done a deep dive or anything like that on that, but that's just kind of my, my thought process. Obviously his hamstring exploded and we never really saw him again. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about guys is I don't want to, I don't mean to gloss over that position necessarily, but that's a cornerback position. And I mentioned Josh Jackson by name, but overall, I mean, I think your starters, it looks like Jair Alexander, Kevin King, we knew that Shannon Sullivan going to be your nickelback. And then we talk about Josh Jackson and Kadar Hallman and things of that nature. And Bryce, I want to get your thoughts on this as well on just the depth of that room. Are you nervous at all about it without Tremont Williams around? What are your thoughts on that position group as a whole? Um, I, I feel better than I've had in, in a long time at the cornerback position. I mean, you went from Demarius Randall and, and Quentin Rollins, and then also, I mean, Josh Jones was a different position, but guys that they invested high draft capital and it didn't really translate for the Green Bay Packers. Now you got Jair Alexander, you got Kevin King in a contract year. Um, I think Kevin King is an absolute stud, and what he brings, that certain length and speed – uh, the IQ. Uh, I know that uh, the darling is Chandon Sullivan and everyone's getting super excited about him. I think everyone has a right to be, even though we're expecting a huge jump from his snaps from last year to this year. But he's just a guy that just seems to every single practice, they always mention something about Chandon Sullivan. So I think he's that guy that makes me feel better at that cornerback position. If it wasn't for Chandon Sullivan and his potential, I'd be extremely concerned about why they might not have uh, invested um, a higher pick at cornerback. Um, but overall, I think as long as Jair Alexander takes those um, takes that next jump, Kevin King stays healthy, Shannon Sullivan does what he's supposed to do, I couldn't be more excited. Josh Jackson is I, – I can't put my finger on it yet. I don't know if he's been playing out of position. I don't know if they haven't been utilizing him correctly. But as a guy that was projected to be a first-round draft pick and what we thought was a steal with the 45 overall selection in the second round, for me, there's there's things that make me still wonder, um, where is his place on this team? I think he can contribute, but this is a big year for Josh Jackson. Very much like EQ, where 
there's a lot of potential. There's things that I get excited about. I just don't know. Uh, Josh Jackson was a ball hawk type of a cornerback in college. I would like to see them utilize that a little bit more, but um, there's a big question mark with him. I think if he can come in and produce, uh, you might be looking at the second overall strength of this team uh, when it comes to position groups. That very well could be. Uh, Matt LaFleur has called this secondary elite. Uh, that's a big word to be throwing around for some people. Carlos wants to point out that we have a pretty good safety group. That is also true. Right. Darnell Savage. And if Darnell Savage takes that leap into second year stardom, like some people on this, you know, around the Packers seem to think he can. And move him all team. along the field too. Sorry for interrupting, but moving oh, Savage yeah, all along right. the field, um, making him that hybrid guy, that could bode well too for that position group. Sorry for interrupting. Oh, absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. So, Bryce, we're at the end of our line here. We're towards the end of our show here. So I do want to end on a bit of a lighter topic, but the, the Bucks are taking on the Miami Heat in the NBA playoffs now. That is officially set. Uh, I want to know, what do you think? Is it, uh, who, this is a very competitive, good matchup. I believe Miami had some success against Milwaukee during the regular they did. season. They did. Um, which not a lot of teams did. So that's kind of a big deal there. But what are your thoughts on, on this series? Uh, I'm confident in in the Bucks. Uh, I thought they proved a big statement yesterday after the boycott, um, postponing the games. I was wondering what they were going to uh, unveil with their mindset and their and their determination when it comes to closing out a series against a very pesky Orlando Magic. But uh, I feel a lot better than I did before. I think what you show, what they showed was that they're able to actually. With everything that's going on, they're able to get the job done and close out. Um, Miami is the one team that I've been nervous about in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they beat us twice in the regular season, the, the home opener at Pfizer Forum. Without Jimmy Butler, um, we were able to beat them in the seeding games, but we had to overcome a 20-point deficit without Jimmy Butler, too. Now you have Jimmy Butler in there. you got Tyler Hero. Um, they're co really well-coached. There's a lot of bucks in six talk. I've got bucks in seven. Um, I just think it's going to be a, a really great test for the, the Milwaukee Bucks. But the heat, the way they shoot, um, uh, the way they can guard the Milwaukee Bucks, I think that's going to be a challenge. But I still think the Bucks prevail in seven, though, and they go on to the Eastern Conference Finals. Bucks and seven to the Eastern Conference Finals. And real quick, let's. I know this is on the spot, and it's kind of a. It's kind of hard to predict sixteen games here in the middle. Uh, well, late August, and we haven't seen any injuries or anything yet. But what are your thoughts on the Packers going into the season overall? I couldn't be more thrilled and excited to have Coach Lafleur as um, as our captain, as our uh, commander in chief. Uh, like uh, Jason said about the culture that uh, Z and Preston bring, uh, what an excellent hire! Um, what he showed last year, everyone kind of mocking him, thinking that it was way above his head. Going 13 and three, 14 and four overall, winning a playoff game, uh, facing the 49ers in the NFC Championship game, uh, in an unforeseeable and unpredictable season. I feel that the Packers are well equipped. They're all on the same page. Um, I'm going to go 12 and four, and wow. I know that okay. people say, "Oh, the the Packers didn't win pretty last year," but they won. They yeah. won, and I think Lafleur and Rogers, Zadarius. Uh, and so on. I think what they bring to the table is a winning mentality. And I think that they're going to go on and, su and surprise some people, the Niners. Let's see what we can do with them though. 
Oh, Bryce, I don't know if you heard, but Rogers and Lafleur hate each other, so I don't know why you put them together like that. But oh, another little interpreting joke with uh, speaking of Oreo. Oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. go. Um, <laughs> it's a it's interesting. Twelve and four is the most optimistic pr prediction that I've heard thus far, and you will hear our predictions, Jason, Paul, and myself next week when we do our season preview show. Uh, so we will be talking about that as we get through here. Bryce, you've given us way more time than we told you that we would, so I'm sorry that I am a horrible liar. You can follow Bryce. He's at interpreted by BC. Follow the unknown Packers podcast. Hashtag follow the unknown. Sorry, guys. I don't have a fancy banner created for that one, but they are uh, what we like to call friends of the program around here. Uh, Bryce Christensen, Neebles, which that can't be his real name. Obviously. It is his real name. It is his real no, name. No, no. Okay. His real name's Neil. Oh, okay. <laughs> you had me. I, I bought it. So. You know, I, I do it all the time. But they're like, that can't be his real name. I'm like, oh, it is. And they're like, what? I'm like, just kidding. I was going to say, I was like going to have to edit that or something because I felt like a jerk. But okay. Uh, <laughs> Neebles and then Ken Ingles, the salary cap expert who uh, has got some really good, basically my go-to source for anything mm -hmm. related to the salary cap. But Bryce, uh, not to use your own phrasing, but what's on tap this week for you guys? Uh, we're thrilled. Um, we had Rob Demosky on last week, which was something that was a long work in progress. Really excited about that episode. If you haven't checked that out, check out Rob Demosky on tap. Uh, we have our 53-man roster unveiling, which we're recording tonight, which will be ready for Tuesday. And then on Thursday, I will do a solo show, uh, the third-year kickoff of the Unknown Packers podcast, talking about day one to now and everything moving forward. But uh Thank you so much uh, for having me come on yet again. Uh, much love to Game On Wisconsin. Love what you guys are doing and really thrilled that we're uh, friends of the program. Uh, it's, feelings are mutual. Go Pack Go. Yes, absolutely. Bryce, thanks for stopping by. We appreciate you guys. Uh, we will see you again, I'm sure. We'll have to talk uh, at the Packers Super Bowl party or something like that. And I, I, I also want this on the record because you have said this to me before, but now it needs to be public. You have said when the Mavericks and Bucks play in the finals – that you are a season ticket holder and that I have a seat reserved for me and I am enemy territory. I am enemy color. So uh, just so everyone's aware, Bryce is inviting enemy color into your guys's beautiful arena in the, loud enemy the color. Milwaukee. Too. Yeah. I'm not exactly the, the quietest person either. That's a good point. So uh, that thank is you, Bryce. Promise. Yeah, that's a promise. All right. We've got that All down right. then Bryce. Thank you. And we will see you again. Thank you guys. Uh, I'm sure. So. Thanks Bryce. Love you guys. Take care. Take care. That is the great Bryce Christensen. And guys, we are at the end of our time as well. Uh, big, big stuff today, obviously, with the with the scrimmage. It's there. The Packers are transitioning into the regular season tomorrow, Monday, August 31st. It's crazy. We're already here. Um, we've got a big week coming ahead, guys. We have tomorrow, we have the happy hour with the lovely Maggie Loney and wonderful Perry Goldstein. And the Freezer podcast, of course, led by Sanjay Murthy. Fred Thurston and Matt Jensen and Andrew Strasburg, who thankfully put some more clothes on this week. So that was, that was a positive sign for the brand <laughs> moving forward. Podcast wise, we've got the quick slants podcast coming up this week, obviously as well. Jason will be taking care of that stuff. We've got Lombardi's bar on Wednesday night. And guys, once the regular season starts, there are so many things. I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am for the, the regular season format of how Sundays are going to go. I don't want to say too much just yet, just because we don't have everything. Absolutely. 100% set in stone guys. We did have one question that I want to get to before we go is it's Brian Grisman did ask what is going on with Begleton from what we've seen. Does he make the team? And I think this is a good thing for us to chat about just real quick before we sign off here. Uh, Jason, what do you think? 
Well, the only person that I've seen is actually the former co-founder of Pulse of the Pack with you is Marcus Eversall, who said that he thinks Begleton looks like he belongs. But I haven't really heard much else about him. And again, in a season where the offense has so many dynamic players on it and only so many spots you can allocate to the offense, I'm not quite sure Begleton's going to find his way onto the roster. But I would absolutely think, based on the productivity that he had in Canada, that the Packers would love to have someone like him around at least on the practice squad and as an option, if they should need to call him up is if it's a matchup thing or if there's an injury. I will say this. I'm not sure. Like you said, you mentioned Marcus Eversall. I've also read some stuff basically that said he's not making like this big splash play, but he's making the right plays. Um, if wide receiver five, for example, comes down to Reggie Begleton or Jake Kumaro, uh, give me Begleton 10 mm-hmm. times. Um, yep. Nothing, nothing against at all. Um, Jake Kumaro, he's a nice story and all that stuff. It's just the upside isn't there. So that that fifth receiver spot is one you can afford to take some swings on. If you get to the point where your fifth receiver is your second receiver, you're probably looking to upgrade or you're in some relatively significant trouble at that position anyways. Uh, so that's kind of my thought on that. Paul, what are your thoughts real quick? And then we'll close off. Um. My initial thought was we obviously know that there's going to be Devontae, MVS, Lazard, and EQ, and it sounds like Tyler Irvin, we already knew he was going to be on the roster, but it sounds like he might be as listed as a receiver moving forward. So that's five right there. So it comes down to Kumro and Begleton, like you guys have mentioned. My initial, Jake, you brought up a great point that's having me question my thought process. But what I was going to say was I think Jake Kumro makes it over Begleton just because it's been an unusual offseason. Begleton's had less time here. This is Kumro's third season with the team, second season in the floor offense. He's the oldest receiver on the roster. He doesn't have the dynamic ability that Begleton does, but I think it, just with the odd offseason, my gut says that they go with Kumro if they decide to keep six even. Begleton's practice squad, and who knows, he could be up by week two for all we know. Yep, It's true. It didn't take long for Alan Lazard to make it from the practice squad last year, so – that's one thing with that. Guys, you can follow us at Twitter at Game On Wisconsin. You can like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Game On Wisconsin, at Game On WI for the Twitter handle. You can follow me personally. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. You can follow Jason. He's at Jason Perone. And Paul Brettel. He's at Paul underscore Brettel. Guys, next week's season preview show, all 16 games. We will predict them all and tell you exactly what to take to the bank for the Green Bay Packers in 2020. We are absolutely looking forward to this Packers season. Two weeks from today, They kicked the Vikings' ass in U.S. Bank Stadium. I cannot wait for it. Everybody, thanks for listening. We will see you next time, and go Pack, go.